Amen. We have come with open hearts and the word will impact us positively in the name of Jesus. Okay, people, thank God for grace. It's always a privilege and honor to be here um, and stand in the presence of God's people um, to, to be talking about God's word. And God will bless us as to come tonight in the name of Jesus. So something interesting happened a couple of days ago. Well, I mean, this is a normal thing. When I, not a couple of days ago, sometimes ago, I'll just say that. So when I, um, I knew I was going to be here t- um, tonight, so I, I was fairly excited because um, generally in my um, private time, every now and then, I just pick up an interesting study and I, and I begin to work on it. And, I, and one of the things I was working on was... Um, you know, the armor of God. What does it mean to put on the armor of God? And who's an armor bearer? And all that. And it was very interesting. And in fact, there was a scientific experience that I, I came across in the process. And I tried it when I was alone. You know, last, sometimes a short while back, I was traveling and I was alone in an hotel room. So I had my time to do things that if you do at home, people wonder, are you crazy or are you mad? And I did it. And I'll tell you what it is. It was, if you take an orange, a full orange, and you get a jug of water, you put the orange inside, the orange is going to float, right? But if you remove the, 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 um, the if you peel the orange, now, in a way like you peel a tangerine, you, you peel it fully, you remove all the white patches and the green one, and you put it in that same jug of water, in a short while, it's going to sink. So, what I was saying, so, so anyway, bottom line was that, I was doing that story, so, I was very excited, I said, well, so, I was doing that, there was something I was doing as well, Pastor was always talking about rabbi, rabbi. So I said something happened about four years ago. You know, the, the, the rabbis of all time of our generation passed away in 2014. And some of the things the guy was talking about was similar to what Ezekiel was talking about in, in Ezekiel when he was prophesying about the Armageddon and all that. And then if you are aware, two weeks ago, precisely about two, three weeks ago, the U.S. withdrew from Syria and then Turkey moved in. And that exactly coincides as the number seven nation that is fighting, that within that region, that is number seven nation that is fighting for that place, as written in the book of Ezekiel. So meaning that what the end is closer. So I was excited that, oh, I'm going to share one of these, but you need to pray. And then I went praying. And what came to my, what I was ministered to was trust. And I'm like, trust? I've never been in a, I mean, I've not been in a congregation or anywhere that where trust was preached. But the closest one, this pastor was talking about the fact that if you have credibility, that if, if people trust you, though they don't like you, they will do business with you. You know, that, that's the closest. That. So I said, well, God, if you have brought it up, then I had no choice. I have to, to hold the So that's how we find ourselves where we are tonight. And God will help us in the name of Jesus. And if you listen on Sunday, a lot of time that Pastor Bemigo actually mentioned the word trust. He was, and before then, I had my, you know, uh, my notes prepared. I mean, my notes, my mind on, on trust. So, quickly, if we go into, before we go into our, op- I mean, into, into reading our, um, our, our passages, I will actually ask a question. What does the word trust mean to you, and have you ever been disappointed by someone that you trusted, and how was that experience? How was that experience? When you hear the word trust, you know, what can you say? What does, what does it mean to you? Especially in a broken world that we are in, where Parents don't trust their children. Their children don't trust their parents. There's a joke that they say that if police people are very honest, why do they have lockers? Because if you go to a police station, individuals have lockers, and they lock their drawers. What does that mean? That if they're not there, one of their people will steal you know, what they have. So, so that's how broken the wall is, and that's true. You, know, you, you see people sleep in the same house who are families, and one person will lock their door you know, against the other people. So that's how broken the wall is. So tonight, and I'm going to call names if you don't, um, if you don't, if you don't nominate, what does the word trust, what does it mean to you? Anybody? Come on, people. We got to make this interactive. That's the way we get, we're going to learn. What does the word trust? What does it mean to anybody there? I can't see. You have to raise it up very well so that ushers will see you and I will see you. Anyone? Okay, Pastor K. Yeah, okay, there's somebody at the back. Well, that's what life is all about. So if anybody's not going to help me, 
the person that is closest to my heart that trusts me will help me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so, so to me, trust would be um, having absolute faith in um, um, somebody's goodness towards you. Having absolute faith in somebody, believing that that person, believing that you know that person, and believing that you know that whatever it is that person does, be it negative or positive, is going to work out well for you or in your relationship. Absolutely. That's a round of applause to God for that. So it's like, I mean, I was talking to one of the pastors on Sunday and the individual said, oh, you know, my spouse got my back and I got my spouse back. So that's exactly what Pastor Lamji is saying. That look, somebody that you can fully and totally, totally rely on. And honestly, but the truth of the matter is that because we're human, we're extremely feeble and we react to situations and conditions. For example, when it rains and it's extremely cold, some people just get upset and they get irritated. So even if they make a promise to you and you go to meet them at that point in time, they may say no. So really, the only person that is absolutely trustable at all times is God Almighty. Absolutely. That's, because she, she, she used the word absolute, meaning that there's no other way. But, you know, your spouse, your friend, your teacher, your, your husband, they will, they, they mean well, but when you rely, because trust means you are relying on that individual, you know, 100%. When you rely on them, yeah, there will be times that they will fail you. So, it's not because they are willing to, if someone tells you to come, I'll give you money next month, and then he doesn't get paid, what happens? So, the trust will go away. So, the only person, as, as we said, is, um, is, is Lord's Creek. Anybody want to take? Anybody else that has a different? But the second part is what I'm looking for. Has anybody disappointed you, you know, that you really relied on, that you trusted and had? Okay, somebody had, two people at the choir. We take those two, and then we move on. Good evening, sir. Amen. Good evening, ma'am. Okay, so today, um, during my lunch time, I was just thinking of how someone I trusted betrayed me. You know, I was now like, what if I didn't know God? You know, and this person is a Christian. I was now like, God, thank you that I know you. Because this kind of thing can actually make someone not to trust God. Because when you come calling the name of God, blah, 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 and then you go against your word. So, what struck me is um, I'm a Christian and I have to hold my words, be responsible for my words because we don't know who it might affect negatively. So, Praise the Lord. Let's give, let's give a round of applause for being vulnerable. And you know, my sister, what I'll tell you is that is, there are two reasons why people would do that. Sometimes they do it deliberately because the Bible says the heart of man is wicked and what? Desperately wicked. But the second reason why they do it is they, they can't help it. You know, they just can't help it. And I, I mean, I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. Generally, we should rely on people, but we should trust God. We rely on people, but we trust God. What do I mean by that? I'll give you an example. Sometimes, or just shortly, last week, I was doing a trans, transatlantic um, flight. And as we were about to leave the other part of the world, the captain came up on, on air and said, um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, we're going to be here for a while. Um, I've never seen this before. I've been flying to this particular city for 20 years, and this has never happened to me. I've been flying for 30 years. So you can see that the guy is an alarmist. So saying that alone, you know, brings a lot of, I mean, and bottom line, what happened was that, as you see the airplane, it has three compartments for fuel. So what they do is that they put... They put one third on each of the compartments, one in each of the wings, and then the, the other third in the middle. So, for example, the one we had had 80 tons. So, that was the mistake. But the guy that filled the, that filled the, that filled the plane filled everything in the middle. So, meaning that when the flight takes off, it will be too heavy. It won't be able to take off well. Also, the adjustment and the wing adjustment for speed and for navigation will be a problem. So, if they didn't detect it, it could have been a problem. But the way the guy brought it up and was was talking about it in the open air. 
it was alarming. So he came over. So he came over. Fortunately, I was close to you know where he was. So he came over. I was a few a few seats from where he could. I'm mean, one of the people he spoke to. So I engaged him for 20 minutes, and I realized that it was much more complex than what he said on air. So at that point, and now here I'm going to sit in this flight for about nine hours. This guy's going to be flying in the middle of the night. And he, he, you know, he, made, he, he, he brought his iPad and he explained a lot of things. I was much more complex. So I said, well, Father, my trust is in you. So in the next two hours, I'm going to be praying and I'm going to be meditating. And if I can sleep, I can sleep so that if I can dream that anything is going to happen, I'm getting off this plane. So bottom line is that we rely on people, but our absolute trust is in God. So, and because I felt that, I mean, if God, God is willing to save me to come back, therefore, um, he will let me know if anything is going to happen because I'll get off the plane. But by the grace of God, nothing happened. So back to what I'm saying, my sister, is you rely on people because that's what, I mean, people will help us, but our absolute trust is in God. Inka? Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, what does trust mean to me? Trust to me means love because um, if I don't love you, I won't trust you with some aspects of my life. And it just when we were talking about, when someone was talking about it, what was brought to mind was secrets. The person you share your secrets, your intimate secrets with is the person you love. And therefore, you're trusting them with that secret to keep it. So, trust to me just means love. If I love you, I trust you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give a round of applause. Yes. Because if you love God truly the way you are supposed to, you do what? You trust God. So, um, yeah, we do our first fill in the gap. You know, the Hebrew word for trust is called bitach. Now, what does it mean? It means secure, bold, to be secure in something, fearing nothing. And it is many times translated as confidence, security, and hope. So if you put all that together, the only person you can, please put it up and let's so that people can feel it. Like, the only person you can put all that on is God. And now, here's the deal. The Hebrew letters and words are exactly, I mean, the way Chinese, word, Chinese words are. You know, when, when the Hebrew letters are figures. You know, they represent symbols. So, when you, when you go to Bitach, which is the Hebrew word, it represents, it's like a house, and you have people living inside. And, brethren, the only person that can build a house that can secure us is God Almighty. Not a house that a human can build. Hallelujah. So, we're going to go read our text. We just wanted to do an introduction so that we, we, we know. We're going to go read um, our, our text. So our first text is Exodus 3, 7 to 10. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptian and to bring them, down, them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Um, second one, can we read that second test as well? And I'm sending, okay, yeah, let's start. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this and only to let us fall by this world? Our wives and children will be taken as plunders. Wouldn't it'd be better for us to go back to Egypt. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelites. Assembly gathered there. Jesus, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephthah, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and exploited is extremely good if the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land and a land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. 
Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me? In spite of all the signs I have performed among them, I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them. But I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. May the Lord bless his holy words in the name of Jesus. That's a summary of the story of children of Israel. When pastor started the beginning of the open heavens, he was saying that God was taking the children of Israel from, you know, getting water from Nile to getting rain. Meaning that from what they can see physically and depending on to what they can see but that will be available based on their level of trust and their level of combination with God. In fact, he went for that to say that... Um, um, it's not in my notes. Even for that to say that, I think it was Deuteronomy 18, 18, that God said he will provide you somebody that will be communicating with me and you so that, you know, you, you, you continue to depend on me. You continue to have absolute trust on me. But at this point, where they sent people, you know, spies to go into the land and they came back and 10 of the 12 said crappy things and two believed, they changed their mind. And at the point where their open, their open heavens were supposed to be completed, don't forget that these were people that left. They had all kind of, um, of, of, of wonders, of miracles. You know, they walked through the, through the sea, and it was a protection on the left and a protection on the right, and the, the Egyptians went. So all kind of things. The manna was coming from heaven. So these guys have seen a lot. So they represent us as we are today at that point, at the beginning, meaning that, you believe it or not, he heard what Pastor Bemgo said. He said, well, even if Pastor didn't hear, but I know, he, and she said, we knew he heard, that but God will do what? God will honor his word. So our heaven is open in the name of Jesus. So the question is, are we going to trust God to the end? That's the question. For you to, 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 to make, ensure that your heaven remains open, there are going to be challenges on the way, there are going to be issues on the way, things are going to happen, but your utmost trust and your reliability is going to be on God. We're going to get to it because there's going to be a difference between faith and trust. You know, yeah, we know God can do it and all that, but am I going to stay put to the end? That's the question we're going to be asking ourselves tonight. Praise the Lord. So, why did, you know, the question I want you to put in your mind, which we're not going to talk about now, but we're going to talk about later, why did the children of Israel, you know, reacted the way they reacted, despite all that God did for them before they got to that point? Why, why, I mean, why did they react that way? As I said, we're in the same situation. By the grace of God, people's heavens are beginning to open and they remain open in the name of Jesus. But it gets to a point where you're going to say, well, what am I going to do? Am I going to trust God or am I going to turn around and try to do my own thing? I mean, if you're a single lady, for example, this guy is chasing you, he claims to be a Christian, and you're praying and he's praying, but he comes around and says, well, you know what, in my family, I have to get to your personal promised land before we get married. Because of um, presenter guidance, so that's why I said that. So, and he comes and says, I need to get your personal promised land before we get married. And that's totally against God's word. So are you going to trust God that if, he, if, he, if God is willing, he doesn't have to do that? And if, he's not, if, if, if the individual is not willing, he has to walk away. That's the point you make a decision. And you say, God, I'm fully entrusting my trust in you. So that's, 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 that's what we are talking about. Thank you. Thank God for that. So study trust in God. What does trusting God mean to you? We talk about trust generally. I need one or two people. Our time is spent. What does trusting God mean to you? If you say, I trust God, what does it mean? Anybody? Come on, man. I hear this. I hear this a lot. Oh, I'm trusting God. I'm believing God. And I'm trusting God. <laughs> Please, <laughs> go ahead. Yes, ma'am. I'm trusting God. I hear the Lord. So if you are not talking, I'm going to call people. <laughs> go ahead. Good evening. Hello, sir. Um, when I say I trust God, it means uh-huh. all my hope is built on him. Absolutely. It says when I trust God, it means all my hope is built on it. It's a bit, it's, it's a bit deeper than that. We don't get to it. It says when I trust God, anybody, yeah, go ahead. If I say I trust God, mm-hmm. I mean that I depend on God. You mean that you depend on God. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, one more and then we go. Go ahead, sir. Good evening, sir. Yes. It means I'm not doing anything outside his um, direction. I'm not involving myself in anything that is not involved in or anything is not telling me to do. 
Absolutely. It means that I'm not going to do anything outside his will or outside what he's saying. Those are all correct. But it comes to a point that is a little bit deeper than that, and we're going to get to it. So, we're going to read um, um, 12, Genesis 12, verses 1 to 5. But before we read it, if you read the Bible very well, you, know, you have to read the Bible in two ways. Ministration, God ministering to you, God telling you, but you need to understand the geology and the history as well. Now, the first 11 chapters of the Bible is about human race. It's about, you know, um, Adam and Eve, their children, this, that, Cain and Abel. First 11. From chapter 12 to the end of Old Testament, from that point, there are 895 chapters. It is all about Abraham and his descendants. It was about, all from that point, it's all about Abraham and his descendants. And it will be an example of who actually, you know, what's the way to trust God. So, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country and you, your people and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever causes you, I will cause and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran and he took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had and accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out to the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Now, this is the beginning of a man that you can actually that really relied all his total trust on God, because he was in a city where a little bit away from where he was born, and he was given an instruction that goes, just leave. I'll tell you where you need to go. That's that's what the Bible is saying. He said, just leave. I'll tell you where you need to go. So, so I wrote to my notes. I said, absolute trust in God leads us from ordinary to extraordinary. We know that Abraham today is extraordinary, and we're going to get to that. It's based, I mean, it's the, the guy is extraordinary. There's no doubt about it. So just putting his full trust in God takes him away from being ordinary to extraordinary. Theologians have it that this guy was born in or the old, um, the present-day Iraq at the bottom. Um, CMM, that first map, the map that says Abraham's journey, if you can bring it up. The guy was born, and it was understood. The theologian had it that he was an idol worshiper. And so, or you see it at the, at the beginning, it's modern-day Iraq, and the part that is, is dotted was where he, I mean, he, 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 he traveled through. So, even from all to Aran, you know, that upline, is, Aran is modern-day um, Syria. He's um, modern-day Iraq. He's 600 miles. So you can imagine that first distance is 600 miles, and then from there all the way to, he first went to Egypt before he came back to Kenya. So it's in excess of thousands of miles. This guy was 75 years old. There were no planes at that time, and obviously there were no cars. It's going to be camel and walking and all that. But God says, leave. And what did he do? He left. If I ask you a question today, if angel appeared to you today and say, pack your bag and your family and your children and just begin to drive. I mean, your wife, you think that um, something is wrong with you. You can't take it away. So, but that's what he did. You know, it's, um, if, if you don't see it, you know how, 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 how. Genesis 18, 17, please bring it up. And Genesis 1 to 5. 18, 17 and 1 to 5. I can read it in my note. It's not there. Okay. And then you bring the 1 to 5. The Lord said, shall I hide anything from Abraham? What I'm about to do. So what does, that, what does that mean? Because of his trust and obedience to God, he became a confidant of God. Abraham became a confidant of God just because of his absolute trust and his obedience. And if you, we're going to read it, in New Testament they say, Abraham is what? A friend of God. We all, we sing that song, I am a friend of God, and I lie. If you can't trust God and obey in full confidence, you are no another friend of God, you know. <laughs> Honestly, if you cannot absolutely trust God and act in full obedience, there's nothing. So let's read, the, let's read the second one, 12, 1 to 5. This is very interesting. Sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Morah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. 
Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of the servants, keep going, and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the bond offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in distance. And he said to his servant, please note very well, he said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you later. In, if you want to really, truly, truly trust God in absolute, in absolute term, it's an individual decision. It's an individual decision. You have to leave people behind. Because those people could be a distraction or a drawing back. So you get to a point that you, it's an individual decision. You have to leave people behind. Daniel 3, 6, 16 to 18 and, and um, 6, 19 to 28, we're not going to read it, read it, is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We all know the story. And it's the story of Daniel as well. You know, those are, the, those, those, are the, those are the main stories that were there. And we know the story, you know, it was like people that are jealous about you, they go to set up something just so that they can get into trouble. But God, so, but what is interesting about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is they said with respect. Can you go to the, uh, maybe about two verses away? But even if he does not, they said that, oh, our God will deliver us and all that from, from you, Majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of God that you have set up. This is where trust is bigger than faith. Because they are saying that irrespective of the circumstances, we put our life in your hand, God. That is trust. Faith is, you give us an expected end. Faith is expecting something at the end. But trust is saying, irrespective of the end, I am yours, Lord. That's the difference. That's, 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 that's the absolute difference. And that's what Meshach, Shedrach, Abednego, they put in there. We all have faith, we all have hope, we expect that God will do it. So when it gets to a point, we see that God is not, ah, God is a bit slow, then we find an alternative. Faith has, trust has no alternatives. That is the absolute difference. So in my notes, you see there that the level of your trust in God is directly proportional to the level of your victory. I want, I want, to, I want to get to something. I'm not going to bring up a lot of issues. Pastor, I explained some of this in the past, and we all know it. The most blessed nation on earth is Israel. I'm sure that you all will agree with that. I mean, the most blessed nation on earth is Israel. In fact, the United States support Israel, and that's why the United States, you could see them as the most powerful nation. But as far as I'm concerned, in the, in, in the face of the world, the U.S., China, Russia, France, are the, 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 the power brokers when it comes to military power in the world, in the first class, and then followed by um, Israel and, and, and Germany and all that. But I feel that if things really breaks out, Israel will overpower everybody because of the support of God. But here's the deal. Who is the man that all this... You know, today we talk about Abraham's blessings are mine. Right? We say that... We say that today. Pastor explained where the veil was broken, that we have direct access to God, but the Abraham blessing does what? It continues. So I can, I can say categorically... That's my opinion, and I'm saying it. It might not represent everybody. That apart from Lord Jesus Christ, because Christ came into the world as a God in human form. Is that correct? So it cannot be compared to anybody in the Bible. But if you take, so Christ is not part of my comparison. I'm here to say to you today that the most influential figure that has ever walked the surface of the earth today, the surface of the earth from beginning to day, is Abraham. That's the most influential figure that has ever walked the surface of the earth from inception to today. Christ is God, so you can't, you, can't, you can't put them side by side. If you put everybody, Christ. But if you look at all the humans, the most influential. See, today, you still say Abraham blessings are mine. The most powerful nation in the world, as far as both in the spirit, the most blessed nation is the nation that Abraham started. So who are we to follow when it comes to trusting God. And the only difference between Abraham and the rest of the people at that time 
was that he, he had faith and he had the belief and he trusted God. One of the feelings they said is that un, unwavering trust in God leads to living in the glory of his grace. David had a lot of trust in God. He lived in the glory of his grace. Shetra, Meshach, and Abednego, Anna, so many people, I mean, they, they live in the glory of, of, of his grace. So who are we to follow? It's Abraham. And I want to put it to you tonight. It's something to really think about. If you look at all these stories that we have read, the only person that we can trust is God. But before there's testimony, there has to be a test. And when you trust God, it's not only that you get protection, you get protection, your enemy gets destruction. When you trust God, it's not only that you are victorious, your enemy is defeated. A trusted, a, a trusted person is a tested person. And when God tests you and you are trusted, you become his trustee. Just like Abraham is a trustee of God for the entire human race. And not only that you become a trustee of God, what happens? You become God's friends. So Abraham is what? God's friend. Do we want to be God's friend? We need to trust God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, we're going to demonstrating trust, which is, requires action. If you want to show that you trust God, you've got to take some actions. It, it comes with action. Abraham went ahead to actually attempted to sacrifice his only son at the time. So, Genesis 5, 6, Romans 4, 3, Galatians 3, 6, please. We can bring them up. We're just going to read one. Abraham believed in God and he is credited to it, him as a righteousness. Bottom line, Today, they're saying that because of the trust and the belief and the faith that God had, that Abraham had in God, he was seen as a righteous person. Meaning that, show me somebody who, who, is, who, who trusts God, and I'll tell you who is righteous. Show me somebody who demonstrates true trust in God, and I'll tell you who is obedient. Obedience is part of, is, is part of trusting God. And obedience in God is a, a precursor to becoming God's trustee. That's, that's, that's precursor. We're going to read... Um, Let's read James 2, 20 to 24. James 2, 20 to 24. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was it not our father Abraham consider the righteous of what he did when he offered his son Isaac to the altar? You see that his faith and his action were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did and the and the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and it was called God's friends. You see that a person that is considered righteous by what they do, not by what they, not by their faith alone, by what they do. Meaning that that is the trust. The trust goes beyond, the trust, trust goes beyond faith. It goes beyond hope. It goes to total reliance on, on God. Praise the Lord. So here we are. I got a question, and we all need to participate. What's the difference in having faith in someone and having trust in someone? If I still have a faith in you, or I have a trust in you, I'm sure we've covered it. I just need one person saying I have faith in someone or I have a trust in someone. What's the difference? Anybody? Come on, we've covered it. I said it several times, but I want to be sure that we, we got it. I'm going to call my friends now. Okay, thank you, ma'am. Okay, um, I would say um, faith in is um, believing in somebody's ability and capability to do that which you want or that which you wish for another person. But trust is well, even though I believe in this person's capability. And even if the person does not do it, it still doesn't mean that um, this person does not like me or this person does not want something good for me. Praise the Lord. Please, let's, give our, let's go to the round of applause. 
I know that I haven't brought this computer home in the last three days, so you didn't have access to it. So I'm wondering if you saw the note or not. I'm just joking. So, I mean, that, that's the absolute truth. It's saying that I believe in the integrity of this person that even if, and that's what Shedra Mishak Abednego were saying, that even if we don't survive this, our God will fully rely on him. That's the difference between faith and hope and trust. It's, it's to say that this person has so much integrity that he can't fail me and he's got my side. And we need to understand that. Because, you know, we're all, we're all people of faith. Because we always wait. We always hope. By the point that we see, oh, this thing is not going my way. Well, I'm going to have to do it myself. Then, we're not trusting God anymore. But it's a common thing. You hear, oh, I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. You know, I'm believing God for, I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. And then, an opportunity comes for you to take a bribe. What do you do? You go ahead and take the bribe. No, that's not how it works. So, the question is, why do we struggle to trust God? I need one or two people before we read that. Why do we struggle to trust God? I've got a lot of ground to cover. Time is running. Why do we struggle to, to, to trust God? Yeah, go ahead, man. Praise God. Hallelujah. At times, we struggle to trust God because it kind of delays at times. We want something to be fast-tracked. And trusting God, it's, it's a process sometimes. So when the time is going, you kind of feel like this thing is taking too long. So that's why. Please, let's give a round of applause to her because she's very sincere. <laughs> God, you are too slow. Ah, come on, man. <laughs> you know, absolutely. I have it there. It's patience. Number one is patience. You know, we, have you heard that before? I'm a spirit patient, but we have to do it now. You know, I want it, I want it. Now, come on, people. You know, the way, the way I perceive, the way I look at and I explain the things that God can see, this is the way I look at it. And it's, it's, it's unimaginable multiple times more than that. If I put a bowl that is four feet in front of me and I put fishes inside, I can see those fish, I can see where they are going, and I can see the bowl. So if, it's going some, if one of them is going somewhere where they're going to be eaten by a shark and I block the way, the fish is not seeing that. The same way we should look at ourselves. Let me explain something in the world. The reason people are running into the space is because when you are up there, you can see the earth. It's view. But look at the God Almighty that has the view of everything and understand the perfection of everything. Why can't we wait for the time? That's the question. It's patience. I agree with you, my sister. It's patience. And the Bible is clear, clear about patience. Two, two, two or three verses. We're not going to read it. It's patience. We are, I mean, we are always in a hurry. Yeah, my friend, having children, no, I'm not married yet. So, every mother, go and read the Bible, every mother that waited and believed and trusted God had special children. Everyone. So, when, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I'm behind or I'm waiting for something, I'm always very excited and I've had to wait a number of times in my life for a lot of things. But I know that the glory of latter rain shall be better than the former. That's what the Bible says. So it's going to be a better at the end. We have to learn to just sit tight and say, it doesn't mean that you should not, you, know, you do your own part. Whatever that is dependent on you, you do it. You take actions, you work on it, you pray, you do all that. But when it comes to a place where you have to take a step that is outside what God wants, or it's outside something that is good for God, then don't do it. We're going to read this, this short story, and it's one of the most... So what's the second thing? What's the second thing? Patience, what's next? It's, it's similar. What's next? Okay, I'll call it perseverance. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's to be able to, to long-suffering, to just hang up there and take the pain. The Bible says for the, for the, for the glory of resurrection, Jesus Christ does what? Suffered death, so for the glory of death. So it's just long suffering. But I'd like to read a, I'd like to read a part of the Bible that is well prayed, but I personally believe that it's one of the most misunderstood parts of the Bible. It's well prayed, we pray about it a lot, but we must understand. Must understand. First Chronicles 4 9 to 10. First Chronicles 4 9 to 10. Jabez was, more honorable, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him 
Jabez, saying, I gave back to him in pain. And Jabez, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you will bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I'll be free from pain. And God did what granted his request. Go back to verse one. Go back to the first verse. What the Bible says, Jabez was what? More honorable than his brother. Hardly do you hear that. What does it mean to be honorable? To stay in part of God. Jabez did the, everything that God would have required of him. Irrespective of the circumstances. He was poor, he didn't take bribe. He was poor, he didn't kill people. He was poor, he didn't steal. He remained honorable. That is why God answered his prayer when he trusted. So for you to trust God, you have to do what? Remain honorable. That's the part. We pray Jabez's prayer, but the question is that, are we remaining honorable? The reason you're not going to take bribe is because you want to remain honorable. To who? To God and to his people. So if you trust God, you will remain honorable. We trust in God, we remain honorable without alternatives. There's no alternative. Jabez did not take alternatives, as poor as he was. That's why the Bible said he was honorable. Obedience is trust in God, and lack of trust is disobedience, which is idolatry. The reason God was, ma- was upset with children of Israel was because they didn't trust him. They didn't believe in him anymore. Somebody had done so much. As far as God was concerned, they were, they, they, they were committing idolatry. So what's God desire for us? I'm going to run through this quickly. I'm just going to run through it because I have um, something I want us to share at the end. You know, we're talking about vertical trust, but I want to do a little bit about horizontal trust, just in a summary. So, and, and the, the one I'm going to do in summary is to say that if you apply it to yourself in any relationship, you apply it to yourself, or you can use to gauge people, then you will know if you can trust them or if they will trust you. So that's the lateral, uh, the, the lateral one that we're going to talk about. We've been talking about vertical trust, which is the most important. So on the lateral one, the Bible says, trust in love with all your heart, and in all your ways acknowledge him, and do not lean your, you know, do not lean your understanding in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall do what? He shall establish your... So I just want to bring something out here that I want us to understand. So the current trust means to put one's confidence to be bold and all that in someone. But the Bible says... What did, what, did, what did God say? Trust the Lord with what? All your heart. Every human on the surface of earth. You have soul, you have spirit, and you have what? Body. The only thing that is common to those three is your heart. The only thing in the human body that is common to those three things is what? Is your heart. If you close your eyes, you're not going to see in the physical, you can see in the spirit. But your heart is physically pumping your body. Your heart is only one, but it has two pumps. If you are emotional, the emotional part of you, which is your soul, is coming from where? From your heart. The spiritual part of you, which God is saying, is asking for, is what? Is your heart. That's the only organ. And what does that mean? So the Bible is saying, that is what you need to use to follow me. That's why the heart is deep. But pastor will say, this work is what? It's a heart work. When your boyfriend leaves you or your girlfriend leaves you, where do you feel the pain the most? Your heart. So why did the Bible say, guide your heart with what? All diligence. So that is why God is saying, you know, trust God with all your heart. That's the only thing that cut across the entire human, body, human life. Soul, spirit, and body. So are we going to trust God with all our heart? No, you have an answer. Are we going to trust God with all our heart? Okay. So I put in my note that, you know, um, trusting God is not, only, it's not only when we get into trouble or when we lose control. It should be never, because God is never, we are never sufficient for ourselves. You know, if you read Second Corinthians 3, 5, I'm not going to read it because of time. We are never, we can never be sufficient by ourselves. You can never be sufficient. I mean, you can never say, yeah, you do your part. You read, you study, you work hard. But the Bible says you do what? It will bless the work of our hands. And that's because we seem to trust him to complete. We are totally incomplete without the trust of God. Praise the Lord. And you know your ways, which are acknowledging, so we know all that. So I'm going to share something quickly. Um, what I talk about, the lateral... Um, the, what I talk about, about the lateral 
trust and relationship. Um, by the grace of God, I've been around for a while, you know, and I've been privileged by the grace of God and be honored to have worked with a lot of people around the world, you know, so almost, I mean, so many races. But something that is common that I've seen, especially, you know, in, in most industry is that, and that's why the Bible says that, show me a man who is diligent in his way. He shall do what? He shall stand among kings and not lower men. That's what the NIV says, not lower men. Some say mean men, meaning not servants and all that. So what they do in, in corporate world is that if, if, I'm, if I'm a boss and I want to project somebody and we have work to do and we have assignment to do, what we do is I'll take somebody that is two level my, my junior that we see that he's, he's, doing, he's, working, he's doing the work and I want to make that presentation to somebody that is maybe one or two steps higher than me that has global coverage. This person will be the one to go and make that presentation while I sit. What does that mean? That means I have trust and confidence in the person. Is that correct? That's the, because if he goes there and he messes up the presentation, both from presenting standpoint and the technical deliverance, what happens? He destroys my own credibility and he destroys the credibility of the whole department and everybody. So what people do in corporate society, so I'm talking about lateral trust now, is they take their best hands that they can rely on, that they can trust, and they put them forward. And that's, how you, and that's how you replicate leaders. The people that you think you can trust that can replicate you, you begin to put them forward. That's, what, that's lateral trust. So, so the question is, how do I put myself in a place where I can be lateral trusted in every relationship? It could be your business, it could be family, husband and wife, your pastor and your relationship, every relationship. So I'm just, because if you go into individual trusting and all that, we can spend hours and won't finish. But I'm just taking up, I'm picking up a model which I was privileged to um, about a year ago. cost a lot of money, but by grace that I wasn't paying for it. I was privileged to sit in a, in a model, you know, designed and talked about by people that have had, you know, have had people. And I just took a section of it. In fact, there's a book on it. I just took a section. I've not even read that book. My wife has read almost half of it. But because I sat, at, sat in, that, in, that, in, in, that, in that class so for a few days, so everything in the book, I think I have an idea. So I just took a section from the summary of what I learned, and I'm going to share it today. You can take it to see how people can trust you in your job, in your, but it's based on that Bible passage that says that, show me a man that he's diligent in his way, and he shall what stands in the way of king. So CMM, that's my slide that talks about credibility and, um, and trust. I think it's credibility. And, so can you put it up? So bottom line, what they're saying is that it's called SPICE model. And what interests me, you get it to the end, is that they are, they are, they are, they are talking about spirituality. It's interesting. These guys probably are not Christians. But they end up talking about spirituality. So keep going. So commitment levels and contribution. So this is how people are going to trust you. How much commitment do you have and what do you contribute? So in every relationship, how much commitment do you have and what do you contribute? That's how they're going to trust you. So go to the next one. So the first, this first page, um, I don't like the way you guys are bringing it up because I did it such that it will come up in, 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 in order. I, I didn't like the way it just came up all at once, but it's probably too late. No, don't worry, keep going. It's too late to, to adjust it. So my preference is that if you had come up the way I sent it, you come up in order. So bottom line is that you start from integrity. Really, integrity and your character is what do you do when people are not watching? What will you do if I put you in charge of a bank and, and nobody will know if you steal or not? That's your true character, and that's your true test of in integrity. So the way I put this, thing, the way I did the slide, that's the first thing you see. So you need to ask yourself: If I'm alone, what am I doing? And the same way, that's where God is going to trust you. What am I doing? But people can perceive, but they will not know. So your character is different from your reputation. Your reputation is what people see, but the truth is that what's your character? And once people find out your character, that's when they decide they're going to trust you or not. And then it comes to what is your intention. You know, do you really have a good intention? Do you support the ministry? Do you support this? That's your intention. And then, what capability do you have? For people to trust you, what capability do you have? 
and absolutely what results do you have? So I put that flower on the, I put the trees on his, on the side. You can see that below is where he gets his strength, his strength and his strength and he's building his strength. But it's really, what, does, what do you bring to surface? That's, that's, that's what people are going to trust. What do you have to deliver? So if you are my friend, if I, cannot, if I cannot rely on you, if you cannot tell me something about time and I stay with it, if you cannot, so how am I going to trust you? And that's what they're talking about. The Bible is saying, bring somebody who is diligent, who, who can be trusted. Please go to the next one. I hope that is another. Uh, it's not. Okay. So, the people that, in this category, so what happens is that they have no commitment. If they're talking about a job, I just use professional to do this. They're doing it just because I don't want me to be sacked. That's what I'm doing it. So, there's no commitment. If, if I can get away from getting the money and not be fired, I won't do it. They have almost minimal contribution. The reason they come to work is so that they can be seen. The reason they come to church is so that HOD, HOD family can see them. So if you, if you work like this, it means that, no, you have no commitment and you have almost no contribution. Go to the next one. The next set of people is they have no commitment, but they're very political. So that it's because of my boss. If not, I won't do it. You know, if, 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 the, if the boss is not around, then I ain't doing it. I'm not going to show up in church. You know, if my HOD, if I know that it's not coming, I'm not going to show up. They have no contribution, and they are extremely political, and they cannot be trusted. And people can retreat. Go to the next one. Good commitment. I understand that it is important. Yeah, it's the right thing to do, and I'm going to do it. It's the right thing to do, irrespective if I get paid or not, or if I'm being paid less. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. I'll do it. The next set of people... Is go to the next one, please. High commitment. They are passionate. That's people that you call they are passionate. Ah, they, they, they're all for it. They, they go for it. They will do it. They don't care. You know, they, I mean, once they commit to it, they will do it. So they feel strong about it and they will do it. So they call them very emotional. But guess what? The last one that has the best contribution and the best contributor of, of all, go to the last one. Come on, people. Strong commitment, I believe, is the only way. There's no other choice. What do they call them? Spiritual, the highest contribution. And that's why I said these people, they're not Christians. But they're saying that the only way you can be trusted is when you, you know, spiritual things are taken. Jesus Christ is Lord and Christ, right? Is there any other way? Absolutely. That's what they're saying. So for you to be trusted in any relationship, you have to take your commitment and contribution the same way that this has been done. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Oh.